0: Greetings, game music lovers. I'm Bedroth. I'm Shook And you're joining us for the final regular episode of Very
1: Good Music a VGM podcast.
0: all right kiddo welcome back it's like a month later than i first expected it to be when i said when we would probably record this but hey that's kind of how it's been this year huh
1: (laughs) for real yeah it's been quite the year and uh now it's actually it's coming to a close yeah
0: yeah the podcast and the year both are coming to a close and um So, yeah, we can talk a little um, about kind of what we've been up to. We'll save that for the end of the show, because most of it's going to be plugs for stuff. Uh, We've just been doing holiday stuff otherwise. But what are we going to be talking about for our last regular episode today?
1: We're going to be talking about some credits themes from video games. (sighs) Themes to play when the... Staff names are rolling and all that fun stuff, or yep. in some cases, the uh, Kickstarter names.
0: <laughs> yeah, or both. yeah, just uh, yeah. just depends. Uh, with with one exception that we'll talk about when we get to it, but uh, we also, have a couple of tracks Uh, i think unbeknownst to you one of the tracks that you chose was actually also a choice from dusk so i'm going to go ahead and let that kind of be their representation i'll let you know when we get there and one of one of my tracks that i had originally chosen um you actually chose so i'm subbing in um prof jeff's pick for one of my picks and jeff actually has a testimonial when we get there, that I'll go ahead and share in our Discord now, so I don't forget. And when we get there, you can listen to it. Nice, yeah. I thought this was an appropriate topic for you know when when I realized we were going to be winding this down, I really wanted us to go out with some some cool stuff, some cool thematic stuff, and so we did our our last levels episode, and then we did final bosses, and then last time we did ending themes, which was a little tougher than I expected it to be. And now we are on to the credits, which is traditionally the last thing that you see in a game. And so I thought it fitting for this episode. And I'm going to let you go yep. ahead and start us. Well, you can decide. Do you want to start us off or do you want to finish us off today?
1: Uh, you know what? I think I'll go ahead and start us off.
0: Cool. Sounds good. So what are we gonna be listening to first?
1: Um I think I'm gonna go ahead and, and play a more retro track this time. I'm gonna go with the Mega Man 3 end credits theme. Ah, uh, nice. Good choice for
0: a first pick. Alright.
1: <laughs> From Mega Man 3, composed by either Yasuaki Bun Bun Fujita or Harumi Fujita.
0: All right. Oh yeah. As a reminder to everyone, uh, we are going to revert back to our earlier uh, habit of seven tracks per person, and then uh, one closeout track after that. And um, we are going to actually, uh, instead of the five tracks. Person that we've been doing this year, thought that would be a fun way to close this out. Why did you choose the Mega Man Three credits for one of your seven?
1: Well, I really like the Mega Man Three credits theme. Ever since uh, they joined the Rental Floss Hall of Fame, uh, <laughs> it's been a it's been a song that's kind of been like in the back of my head. It's really fun. It's like jazzy and uh, it's really cool and upbeat, especially after the uh, uh, the epilogue theme. It really feels like an energetic send-off to probably like one of the toughest Mega Man games out there.
0: Yeah, I like that. It's uh, I think it was a good way to start us out. Um, We've got kind of a I think a mix of the heavier sort of feel that some credits themes are known for, and lighter stuff like this, and then a couple that are just you know kind of big, epic, sounding themes. So. Um, I'm glad, that was a nice way to start out It also reminds me of our first, uh, no actually our second kind of double feature episode The first pair of episodes was when we each played our favorites uh, tracks from the other's favorite games Which was fun But this was from our finale to season 1, uh, Mega Man 2 versus Mega Man 3 Remember that?
1: Yeah, actually I do
0: yeah, that was a lot of fun. I did a lot of fun like sprite dioramas for that, and we played. I think first we played the kind of incidental themes like the the title, the stage select, uh, the boss battle, credits, things like that um, in part one. And then in part two, we did Robot Masters, or we might have mixed it up on that one. I might be getting that mixed up with what we did for Mega Man X. But either way, that was a that was a stacked episode because these games, both three and two and three, have some awesome, awesome music. But personally, I'm glad you picked the credit roll from three because uh, I guess that means ultimately I win, <laughs> since I'm the the three fan and you're the two fan. Although we we both like the other one, just not as much. Yeah. Well, maybe it's a stretch to say you like Mega Man three. Uh, well, I, you like I the respect music. Mega Man three. You tolerate 3. the
1: game. <laughs> I don't. I tolerate Mega Man 3. I respect it as a game, and I like it to me. It's like,
0: cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it's my favorite soundtrack from the Mega Man series, as I think people by now know. So, but yeah, we've got some other memories to share for the second track we're going to be listening to. For my first track of the night, we're going to take a listen to the staff role from Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. And this was Mm. composed by either Masanori Hikichi, Masayuki Nagao, uh, or yeah, one of those two people. (laughs) Let's take a listen. That was the staff role from Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, composed by either Masanori Hikichi or Masayuki Nagao. And I really like that. That was a nice, chill, feel-good track with lots of that retro genesis sound that reminded me of early Sonic games. What did you think about that track, Shoot?
1: That was really chill. That was um quite a vibe.
0: <laughs> really like the, uh, the the FM instrumentation there. This one really um, did a lot with the Genesis sound font. The Genesis can sometimes be really crunchy, or gravelly, or grungy, and sometimes that works really well. But when you want a slower, or softer, or just synthier piece of music, sometimes it's nice when they sort of dial that back and you get to focus on the melody and the, the sweeter sounding stuff. So, yeah. What does Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine make you think of?
1: It makes me think of that one track that we played on an episode. It was like the two-player battle track.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think... Was that our grab bag episode? I can't remember which one we brought that to.
1: It might have been. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. kind of surprised when we did one of those. Uh, As I've mentioned... Uh, previously, we are going to be leaving the door open for some other future episodes of VGM-VGM. they are going to be like special stages or something like that. And uh, at least one of those is going to be another grab bag episode because that was fun. And it's nice to play music that doesn't really fit in anywhere else since our show has always been kind of thematic. Mean Bean Machine reminds me of that arcade that we went to last year. Yeah, it had the, I it uh, too. you know all the arcade machines, but it also had all the consoles set up to the TVs. And you actually yeah, that was a lot of beat fun. Mega Man
1: two uh, yeah, in I beat. We were Mega there? Man two and one sitting with no save states.
0: <laughs> nice. And while we were there, we also got down on some mean bean machine on the Genesis that they had set up, and that was a lot of fun. I mean it's basically just Puyo Puyo, but it was fun. It had a cool aesthetic and the music is really nice. It's really chill.
1: Yeah, it's really like smooth.
0: It sounds really clean for Genesis.
1: It does, yeah.
0: And it's definitely got that retro sonic feel. The flutes are nice. I like this part with that. It sounds like it would be a, like a mallet percussion synth.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does. It really kind of does.
0: Like vibes or something.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, it does vibe, but I meant like a vibraphone, not the, not the <laughs> verb. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, a couple of nice retro tracks to start things off. Where are you going to take us next?
1: Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and I don't have any Sonic on the playlist, but I think I'm going to go ahead and take a look at something a little more, I guess, March-like. Uh, I'm going to play the Credits Roll music from Banjo-Kazooie, composed by the incredible Grant Kirkhope. That was the credits theme from Banjo-Kazooie, composed, of course, by Grant Kirkhope.
0: Very, very nice. Uh, I mean, Banjo-Kazooie, that's Grant Kirkhope. What are you gonna do? Can't really go wrong with that. <laughs>
1: yep, that's true. Uh, I heard this theme a, a little while back when I was, like, listening through the Banjo-Kazooie soundtrack, and I was like, y'all, this is kind of a bomb." I could definitely hear this, uh, during, like, a staff roll theme. Yeah, for sure. Um... It
0: is a, uh, like you said, kind of a marchy feel, but it's got that main sort of Banjo-Kazooie motif in it. And kind of fun to hear that in a different rhythm than I'm used to from either Smash or just from the times that we've played it. Um, We actually used the title theme from Banjo-Kazooie as the background music for our very first trailer for the podcast. I guess first and only trailer for the podcast. So it's kind of a cool, nice... uh, sort of, don't know, what I was thinking of. I guess symmetry is as good a word for it as anything, you know? Yeah. We used it at the beginning, and now we're using it here at the end. So, And we still haven't gotten too heavy, which I like. We've got a couple of longer uh, and somewhat heavier tracks coming up later on in the show. But I think I'm going to keep things kind of kind of light, a little bit funky, as we get into... The uh, first listener pick we're going to be featuring, you know, Dusk was actually supposed to like deliver me the list of all the different uh, listeners that have recommended tracks because they're kind of, you know, um, running our social media stuff right now for us and collecting all that information, but haven't heard anything. So I guess for now, we'll just uh, go ahead and play Jeff's listener pick and Prof Jeff had a testimonial to share along with his pick. So why don't you go ahead and, jukepal click on that link I posted in Discord, and we can hear what Jeff had to say.
2: All right. Yo, this is Prof Jeff. And uh, to be honest with you, I generally don't really like credit music that much. Um, it tends to be kind of weighty, uh, slow-paced. There's a lot of seriousness and pomp, and so it ends up often turning out like a parade or a dirge, depending on how the story goes. There's always that sort of, bittersweet element at the end which isn't really my jam um that said i did f- manage to find a song i really liked uh the credit theme from spark the electric jester a 2017 sonic-like 2d platformer game for the windows um it reminds me of the good ending for knuckles chaotix for the 32x um, which is appropriate because i mean that's a great song i've always loved sonic and In, I think, episode 11, my first joke on this show was that we would eventually do a Sonic episode called Rise of Lyrics, where we would talk about different movements and Sonic music and how we deal with the cheese. Um, There's still time to do that. Um, Not in the near future, but eventually. Um, This song also has a really interesting soundscape, or at least I think it's interesting, in that it's a mix of traditional instruments and synth. And it's also more nuanced than it appears, despite its very chill demeanor. Um, And there are things that I had either forgotten about or hadn't heard within the song uh, when I had beaten the game the first time. And for that, it's a good reminder of how much Uh, listening to this podcast and getting into this world of VGM has sort of opened up my world and taught me to listen to music a bit closer. Um, And the song takes a surprisingly serious turn at the end. It has a little twist to it. And I also think that's really appropriate for the show because... Um, one of the things about VGM, VGM, which I've always loved, is that the music has never actually been the star of the show. It's been the father-daughter relationship between uh, Bedroth and Shoot. And the song does end on a somber note, but it does leave room for more. And Indeed, Spark has had two sequels since this song came out. Um, so without further ado, this is Ending Roll, composed by Falk Young, Funk Fiction. Andy Turnstall, James Landino, Michael Staple, and Paul Beathers, arranged by Falk A. Ah Young. Enjoy.
0: Okay, that was Prof. Jeff's pick, the ending role from Spark, The Electric Jester. That was composed and arranged and performed by Falk All-Young, Andy Tunstall, James Landino, Michael Staple, Paul Beathers, Pejman Ruzbe, and Funk Fiction. And I really enjoyed that. What did you think about that one, Chukapau?
1: Yeah, that was really groovy.
0: It was, and like Jeff said, it started out uh, first couple of minutes with that groovy sort of shuffle, sort groovy sort of shuffle thing going on, and then it uh, did take kind of a kind of a dive into slower, sort of more thoughtful piece of music, and it ended on a on a real ethereal sort of lift at the end. That was really cool. Yeah. So, do you have any memories from Jeff being on the show with us?
1: Um. Yeah. There was the religion episode that one time. Yep.
0: That was the that was the first time Jeff joined us for. Uh, I believe. Uh, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, gaining religious exp like a religious experience. Oh, yeah. Jeff, that. because yeah, at the time Jeff was a Ph.D. student in religion, and now Jeff is a professor. He is Dr. Prof. Jeff (laughs) of religion. Uh, The second time on the show, Jeff joined us to talk about platforming games, and I think we kept it to more like obscure platformers. I think you brought something from Meat Boy, and we had a good time on that episode. Prof. Jeff then joined us later for the Grant Kirkhope episode when we did our, uh, so kind of a connection there to Banjo-Kazooie, I didn't even think about that, but when, when we did our composer showcase on Grant Kirkhope, Jeff came back for that, and also joined me and Kung Fu Carlito on a uh, the Giant Robots episode, which you were not a part of, but it was still a lot of fun, and Jeff has been a really good friend of mine for over 10 years now. And I was really glad when he expressed interest in the podcast when we first started it, because I kind of feel like his involvement has helped sort of enrich the podcast experience for me. And also, I think the podcast has sort of added a new dimension to our friendship. So it's been really cool. What did you think about Prof. Jeff's message that he had to go along with the track?
1: It was pretty accurate. That uh, I really felt like they said while listening to that.
0: Yeah um i think he led into the track very well and those are some really nice things that he had to say about the show how it's really the music has always been a big part of it i mean it's called very good music but it's really been about you and me sharing this music with each other and uh it kind of kind me choked up a little bit i was glad we had that song for me to get my composure back because it's been it's been a ride uh and it's been really cool watching you grow into the person that you've become. I mean, you were, let me see, we started this in March of 2020. You were still 14 when we started this podcast.
1: That's crazy.
0: And now you're 17 and a half. (laughs) So, man, we've been doing this for a while. Yeah, we have. 76 regular episodes and then you add in the, I think, 11 bonus episodes we've had. Once we do enough special episodes to hit 100, we'll have to do something really special for that. <laughs> yep. But All right. Uh, we are four tracks deep into our 14-track playlist, so let's go ahead and move things along. What have you got for us for your next track?
1: I think I'm going to go ahead and play Let's play something a little more classic. I'm going to hop back to another Brento floss track and play the Super Mario World ending composed by Koji Kondo. Thank you
0: This medley includes the tracks titled Staff Roll, The Yoshis Are Home, and Cast List.
1: That was Staff Roll, The Yoshis Are Home, and Cast Wist from Super Mario World, composed by Koji Kondo.
0: And man, when you said classic, that... (laughs) There is no better word for this. That was amazing. I always love hearing this song. Yep. You know, I really love this whole ending sort of routine in the game because you got the three distinct parts of the song. And uh, then it goes into the more upbeat sort of redux of that first theme.
1: Yeah, and uh, the Breno Flosses with the lyrics version of this was called Classic Video Game Ending Themes with Lyrics, so.
0: (laughs) Yep, and there is a, uh, I guess now it would be considered a slightly off-color joke when he talks about how your reward for beating the game is a a list of names you can't even pronounce. (laughs) And then he goes down through the list, but. You know what? It's a product of its time. It's not aimed at any person or people. It's just, you know, it actually recreates that feeling from when he and I were kids. And you'd beat a game and get through it. And, you know, this was before trophies and achievements and things that you could share with people. And besides going to the playground or wherever and just sharing it with your friends. I beat this game last night. They just have to kind of take your word for it (laughs) unless it was a sleepover and they were playing with you. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun. What do you think it is about this track? Because I know that you like this one a lot. What do you think it is about this track that you love so much?
1: I don't know. There's just something about Koji Kondo's composing that is just so, like, satisfying to listen to. I think it's his, like, perfect balance of repetition and, um, uh, like, originality, I guess. Because, uh... He, I watched a video on it. Eight bit music theory. Uh, you should all mm-hmm. go check him out because uh, he's really, uh, really good. Uh, but
0: yeah, I really enjoy eight bit music theory.
1: Yeah, he talked about uh, how Koji Kondo's music uses like the same melodies for uh, like different measures, but like with different notes. And uh, I think that's part of what makes his music so like satisfying to listen to.
0: Yeah, and his style is really perfect for, for this kind of thing. And uh, not to the same extent, but kind of like Spark the Electric Jester, this, this had a mix of the happy, bubbly, upbeat stuff and a little bit of a, a quieter, not really somber, but more uh, composed moments at the end, no pun intended. And yeah, this is... It's been really cool, and we've had a nice spread of uh, of publishers so far as well. We've had Capcom, Sega, Rare, we had an indie game, and now we've got Nintendo. So, this has been, so far, uh, kind of a banger of an episode. What do you say we keep going?
1: Yeah, let's uh, go ahead and continue.
0: All right, we're going to go ahead and play kind of a heavy hitter. Uh, This is the slowest theme That we played so far, getting into some of that somber, I don't really know, I wouldn't call it depressed. I actually think it's really hopeful and really sweet, but the more, um, the slower style that Prof. Jeff was talking about. And I believe it's also going to be the longest track that we have played so far. Let me check the official time here. It might actually be the longest track of the entire episode. It is clocking in at 4 minutes and 21 seconds. So, about the same length as that Spark the Electric Jester track, not a little shorter. It is the longest one so far, but I'm going to stop bearing the lead. We have uh, featured this on the show before. I don't think it was on a regular episode. It was on a bonus episode uh, uh, when I was talking about VGM podcasts. I know that you know and love this song. We're going to listen to Too Far Away Times from Chrono Trigger. everyone, we just came back from Too Far Away Times, from a Chrono Trigger, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda.
1: Absolute banger. I love Chrono Trigger so much. It's just such a good game.
0: <laughs> it is. I mean, it's still one of the best of all time. And, uh, I really don't know what more there is to say about Chrono Trigger that we haven't already said I'm gonna say some things anyway. This game was one of the first really deep experiences that I had with video games. I borrowed it from a friend of mine and he let me keep it for a long time and I appreciated the music back then. I don't recall taking special notice of it but I, I generally enjoyed the music when I was playing games back then but I still remember the impact this game had on me and I've played it On the SNES, I've played it on the DS, I've played it on PC, and it just has so much, like, so much replay value. There's so much that you can get out of the story, these amazing characters, and the wonderful, wonderful music. And I always like sharing stuff from Chrono Trigger and Yasunori Matsuda because it's something that you and I both share. Uh, Mitsuda is somebody who I kind of I kind of introduced you to, but you this is one of the ones that you really got into when you saw Chugga Conroy play through it, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, I watched Chugga Conroy's The um, Chrono Trigger Let's Play in like, I think, my freshman year, somewhere around then. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, let me actually see how old that series is real quick.
0: It was actually your freshman year when we started this podcast, so probably yeah. around the same time.
1: The first episode came out three years ago, so yeah, probably around that time.
0: Yeah, cool, man. And you have also, uh, have, you, have you beaten Chrono Trigger at this point?
1: Uh, I have beaten Chrono Trigger, yeah. It was uh, an amazing game. He also played uh, the DS post-game, which, uh, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's all right. I mean, same engine, same characters. The story was just kind of kind of filler, kind of added on, but... Um, still Chrono Trigger so yeah I love this game uh, there are a lot of games on this list that I have a lot of nostalgia for Mega Man 3 Super Mario World um, I mean I, I think I've already given away previously that I'm going to be playing the staff role from The Legend of Zelda a Link to the Past at some point on this episode and everybody knows how much I love that game it, yeah that may be my favorite game of all time just from nostalgia a nostalgia standpoint but there is something really special about Chrono Trigger. And uh, I'm curious now what you're going to be following it up with. I kind of got a feeling, but I'm going to see if you and I are on the same page.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go ahead and hop to another SNES game. And one that we also both really love. <laughs> this is Smiles and Tears from Earthbound. Composed by Keiichi Suzuki and... And slash or Hirokazu Tanaka. That was "Smiles and Tears" from Earthbound, composed by either Keiichi Suzuki or Hip Tanaka.
0: Man, yeah, and uh, I wasn't able to pin that one down. This is one of the few tracks on the list of uh, Music of Mother 3 tracks, uh, Music of the Mother series tracks that I that I use for reference here, that is credited to both Suzuki and Tanaka. But man, what an amazing track! <laughs>
1: It's such a banger. I love Earthbound so much. Earthbound and Mother 3 are probably two of my favorite games.
0: Yeah, you have good taste. I think the one-two punch of uh, Chrono Trigger and then this one uh, its really starting to get to me a little bit. Definitely. Why did you choose this one over the Mother 3 credits theme?
1: Well, this one's just always felt... well. That's the thing, is, like, the the gameplay and, like, story of Mother, Mother 3 has always felt more, like, memorable to me. But there's just something about Earthbound's music that I, like, Shogo Sakai did a really good job of Mother 3, but there's really just no outdoing Earthbound's music. It's just so good. It was really,
0: it, it, it was a movement in a different direction, and he took and built on what was there and made something that was really special but also kind of unique from what Tanaka and Suzuki had done on the first two soundtracks. And for me, I'm really glad you chose Earthbound because this is the game that I have the nostalgia for. I have played through most of Mother 3. I have not beaten it, but I have beaten Earthbound probably at least 10 times, maybe as many as 20. I played this game a lot when I was a kid and I've beaten it a few times over the years as an adult too. And you've beaten this one as well, right? Yep. Just once, or have you gone back to it?
1: Uh, Multiple times.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's just... uh, There is something so timeless about a group of kids going on an adventure to save the world. That's why you see the motif in so many different things. What do you think is your favorite Earthbound-related memory?
1: Hmm. Well, there was that one time... Uh, I was playing through Earthbound, and I got to the Stonehenge base, and I was like, all right, time to do this, I guess. And so I was just going through it normally, and I I reached the room where you grind for the Sword of Kings, and I started like going through it normally. And third Starman Super, I got the Sword of Kings.
0: And I bet it's never happened again.
1: <laughs> it's never happened again.
0: <laughs> I think one time when I was in college, and I had fast forward on the emulator i was using i got the sword of kings there's been no other time when i had the patience to do that so kudos (laughs) and i've never had the patience to get all of pooh's special weapons and stuff so Uh, i think i've actually recently shared my favorite memory of earthbound it's when i got to the end and i was playing with a friend and paula prayed and you know, everything happens when all the characters start praying for you. And then it says the players, uh, the player starts praying. And that was a really, really cool moment. But I think just playing this with my friend and just the, it was so different than anything else I had ever played. Because I'd never really played an RPG before. And this was a really, really nice window into that world. So, I guess all that to say, excellent pick. Thank you so much for bringing that and now you know what i think i'm gonna go ahead and bring we're gonna round out this snes block with a uh, third classic track this is another koji kondo piece the staff roll from the legend of zelda a link to the past that was the staff roll from the legend of zelda a link to the past and i just realized as we were watching the video as we listened to the song that right when the classic zelda theme comes in around the 150 mark koji kondo's name comes across the screen so (laughs) that's a cool detail i wonder if that
1: was intentional yeah (laughs) it would be fun yeah three
0: classic classic snes games Uh, with some awesome credits themes. Three of my favorite games of all time and three games I actually did beat on the SNES and got to experience the credits legitimately. (laughs) And uh, you played some Link to the Past, didn't you? On the SNES Classic?
1: I did. I actually beat it. Oh, you did beat it? I beat it on an emulator in English class. So that was pretty cool. It was a really fun game.
0: It is. And it's not as long, not as, as much of a time suck as uh, a, an RPG. So, like, Chrono Trigger and Earthbound. And so, it's got a lot of replay value, and it's just so charming. It's so colorful. The music is so great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just... It's a really cool game. I liked it better than Ocarina of Time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you beat Ocarina as well?
1: No, I never beat it.
0: <laughs> well, I. <sighs> I don't really know if I can blame you. In retrospect, there are some parts where Ocarina got a little bit clunky and a little hard to sort of navigate. A Link to the Past was never that. There were some parts where, you know, you had to kind of figure out what to do next, but it always played really, really smoothly. Everything did what it was supposed to do. And just with the transition to 3D into the N64, uh, and uh, Ocarina of Time was a massively ambitious game and what they were able to do with it was was crazy and uh, the music in ocarina of time is also fantastic and i have a lot of really really great memories of ocarina it was super impressive but pound for pound i just i have gradually joined the camp that believes that a link to the past is a better game so we've had a lot of kind of somber stuff these last few tracks Do you have anything left on your list that could be kind of an antidote to that?
1: Yeah, you know what? I have one track that I've been waiting to play for just the right moment. This is Last Goodbye from Undertale, composed by, of course, Toby Fox. Last Goodbye from Undertale composed by Toby Fox. This is the theme that plays during the Kickstarter names, uh sort of like bullet hell kind of section, where mm-hmm. uh basically you control your soul and you're going around trying to avoid all of the Kickstarter names. Uh and it's really cool because it's just like a little mini-game that he puts at the end of the credits and it's really fun.
0: Yeah, that is really cool. Uh, and all of the ending songs for Undertale are, are really nice. I mean, the whole soundtrack is really nice. But I asked Dusk which one they would pick if they were, like, going to pick a track for, like, one track to represent the end of the game. And this is the one that they chose. So this is actually also Dusk's pick for this episode. And, yeah, the one that uh, that's I said kind of uh, wormed its way into your list And so yeah, those are our two most frequent co-hosts. Dusk also joined us for uh, Fantasy Life uh, back on episode five. And then subsequently on each episode five, uh, season two, they joined us for the October episode about Undertale. So if you like that, go back and check that episode out. And then in season three, Dusk joined me for an episode all about cat games because Dusk is a big fan of cats. And Dusk then joined us for the Three Young Composers episode during our Composer Showcase season, where we talked about uh, Toby Fox, Lena Raine, and um, I'm blanking on the guy who did the um, Bug Fable soundtrack.
1: Oh yeah, that was Tristan Ulrich. Yeah, I remember that episode. That was super cool.
0: Ah, yes. Thank you. And yeah, I think that was actually the last time Dusk was on the show. And speaking of Dusk, they're still not in here with that list of listener tracks that we were supposed to use. So, I mean, I hope it doesn't end up just being Jeff and Dusk. We've, we've had a lot of listeners, and I know they have to have submitted something. So, I don't know. But I guess we can, we can keep going. Um, that was an excellent track. Uh, we love Toby Fox. We've talked about him a lot on this episode. And I'm going to go with what may be kind of an unexpected pick here. Uh, This is from a game that we haven't featured a lot of music from this series before. But I remembered that Metroid 2 The Return of Samus had a really fantastic uh, credits theme. But then I decided to check on the Samus Returns soundtrack because that was like a remake of Metroid 2. And I really like this one. It's got that, that Metroid kind of creepy feel to it, but it also has the great sort of melody that the original Metroid 2 track had. So we are going to listen to staff credits from Metroid Samus Returns. This was composed originally by Ryoji Yoshitomi, and I believe that for um, Samus Returns, it was arranged by Daisuke Matsuoka. hard (laughs) i know right like the dark horse entry for the episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was the ending theme or the you know all of these are kind of interchangeable but the staff credits from metroid samus returns composed by ryoji yoshitomi so what was it about that one that went hard what did you like about it
1: i liked the um the instrumentals like with uh that kind of orchestral feel was really cool.
0: Yeah, really had kind of a space opera vibe to it, and I like that it at one point. I, I don't think you would have got this reference, but I believe that it when it dropped into kind of that eerie feeling, that was a callback to the very first Metroid, and like the the title or opening sequence, one or the other. But yeah, I just I don't have a lot specifically to say about this track. The Metroid series is. I mean, it's, of course, it's really great. I haven't played a whole lot of it. I never even finished Super Metroid, which a lot of people say is the best one, and I've never played a Metroid Prime game. So, this, it's safe to say that this series is not really in my, like, uh, book of experience, (laughs) I guess. But the music is always, um, I've always really liked it. It was nice when I came across a podcast that was celebrating the music of Metroid. Uh, What? If anything, do you know? Like, do you have any experience at all with the Metroid series?
1: Uh, I played a little bit of Super Metroid at one point. Yeah, <laughs> that's it.
0: You never really even play Samus or Ridley on Smash, do you?
1: Uh, no, not really. And they're not really the type of characters I enjoy playing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Samus, important character.
0: Uh, one of the first major female figures in video games. And yeah. um, just a really, really cool bounty hunter person. But, yeah, so I guess since I don't have a whole lot to talk about there, um, what do you say we go ahead and move on to your next track?
1: Yeah, all right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and play... It's a bit of a tough choice, but I'm going to go with the Pokemon Emerald Version credits theme composed by Junichi Masuda and... Uh, Pokemon Emerald is also composed by Go Ichinose, uh, Morikazu Aoki, and Hitomi Sato. to be like the best credits theme in all of Pokemon.
0: That was really, really nice.
1: That was the ending theme from Pokemon Emerald Version composed by Junichi Masuda and uh, the rest of the game was also composed by Goichi Nose, Morikazu Aoki, and Hitomi Sato. Right.
0: And uh, so back into the sort of um, slower and more heartfelt territory. Very, very nice pick, Yukupo. Uh So... I guess now is the part of the show where you talk about Pokemon for a while and your memories of Pokemon. And then tell us why you picked this one out of all of the credit themes that you have heard in-game.
1: The GBA Pokemon games have been special to me because I'm able to emulate GBA games like in browser on my school Chromebook. So uh, i played them quite a bit over the years mostly pokemon fire red and leaf green but i have played gen 3 more recently and uh, i actually beat pokemon emerald twice now i beat it recently and it was a lot of fun i i love the gen 3 pokemon games and this theme is it's really fitting for the end of this game
0: and really fitting for the end of this podcast this was really really nice do you have anything was Ruby Sapphire Emerald were those the only GBA Pokemon games?
1: I think uh, Ruby Sapphire Emerald Fire Red and Leaf Green those five. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure those were the only five. There might have been more. That, oh, there was uh, Mystery Dungeon.
0: Okay. Man, your knowledge of Pokemon still kind of astounds me. I'm um, <laughs> I'm too powerful. Um, <laughs> pleased that you started out with Pikmin on your YouTube channel because it's kind of uh, a less You know, it's not as popular as things like Undertale and Pokemon, but... uh, you've gotten into some other stuff, but I'm kind of surprised that other than your black and white Nuzlocke, you haven't really done a lot of Pokemon content on the channel yet.
1: Yeah, um, from the Nuzlocke, and that's about it.
0: That was a really nice track. Um, it had a sort of sweeping, you know, looking back, nostalgic kind of feel to it, and... You no, quintessential credits music. I could definitely see that playing over a staff role. And the video that showed, like, the kids riding the bikes and stuff, that was cool, too. Is this the one where you... Your rival is also kind of a love interest? Because back on one of the Rivals episodes, you brought a, a rival track from a Pokemon game. Uh, Sasha? Oh, yeah, that was, was Pokemon
1: it? X and Y. Uh, ah, okay. Shauna.
0: Shauna, okay. Yeah. Gotcha, okay. So... Uh, who are the kids riding the bikes in this video? I'm guessing it's your main character, but Um, who else is there?
1: Yeah, those are Brendan and May. If you pick the female character, May, then your rival is Brendan and vice versa.
0: Ah, okay. Cool, cool, cool. All right, well, fun stuff. Fun stuff. Well, I think that for my next track, I am going to take us back out to space. And the longest track that we have heard is actually Smiles and Tears from Earthbound, clocking in at almost six minutes. This one is not that long, but it is uh, it is one of the longer ones on the show. Coming in at five minutes and ten seconds, or sorry, five minutes and 20 seconds, we are going to take a listen to our last Koji Kondo track of the episode, and that is the staff credits from Star Fox 64. And Chūkpao, if you have not heard this before, buckle in. <laughs> was the staff role for Star Fox, or sorry, staff credits for Star Fox 64. That was composed by Koji Kondo, and Star Fox 64 was also the very first work uh, at Nintendo, or I think possibly ever, for one of your favorite composers, Hajime Wakai.
1: All right. Wow. Yeah, that felt to me a lot like Ocarina of Time, actually, like the Hyrule Field theme, you know?
0: Yeah, especially at the beginning, um, and uh, after that, it was it was. It, I can't listen to this track without seeing all of the uh, like the things that are happening in the game. <laughs> uh, so Starfox is flying back to Corneria. The the team, not not just the guy, um, the whole team is flying back to Corneria, and then they land and they're walking through this big um, like theater. And they're awarded medals by General Pepper. And then the four of them all just kind of run off into the sunset. And it's the running scene. It's a little silly because it's these four very polygonal um, anthropomorphic animal guys uh, running. And it looks like they're kind of having a race. But the song itself is also slightly silly with those uh, um, very synthesized uh male choir hits at the end oh (laughs) but man this is a cool theme and especially for its time it goes a lot of places
1: well uh i do like when like the main Star Fox theme like the comes in at the end it's really cool Mm -hmm. uh those samples reminded me a lot of um ocarina of time as i said uh because Mm -hmm. um it's the same sound fonts you know yeah
0: for sure. Really I think cool.
1: uh, I think Kondo was
0: using a lot of the same uh, samples that he used for Ocarina of Time. And like you said, the intro, um, melodically very reminiscent of things like Hyrule Field. Um, yeah. Do, 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 do. Although that's, like you said, that's just the Star Fox theme. Anyway, um, you definitely hear a lot of Kondo in this. And um, Kondo was not the original Star Fox composer the composer for the first two Star Fox games, was, um... Uh, man, I used to have this memorized. Uh, Hajime Hirasawa, that's what I thought. And then uh, Hirasawa went on to do other things, and so Kondo was tapped to do the soundtrack for the 64-bit outing of the series, which is... I haven't played much past Star Fox 64, but it is my favorite game from the series. It's one of my... Um, Probably my favorite uh, game that involves shooting <laughs> or, like, going into the screen. Um, it is a really, really cool experience, really smooth, lots of replay value. Uh, I played this game quite a bit. If it wasn't on My Favorites episode, then it was close. Um, very, very cool game. I like it a lot. Uh, and you have not played this game before, have you?
3: I
1: have not. I actually haven't played any Star Fox game.
0: We do actually own it on either the Wii or the Wii U, and we own the original Star Fox on the SNES Classic. So, if you ever want to fire them up, they're there. All right. All right. Well, you know, I'm curious uh, because you have played all but one of your tracks, and in every other episode um, of these Final Four, you have brought something from Kirby's Return to Dreamland. That
1: is correct.
0: Uh, but you don't
1: have any. Uh, you haven't had any Kirby on this episode yet. I have not, because I've been saving the best for last. Right now, I'm about to play not the credits theme from Kirby's Return to Dreamland, but I'm going to be playing an original track from the Kirby 20th Anniversary disc called Dream a New Dream for Tomorrow, composed originally by Jun Ishikawa and arranged by the HAL Laboratory Sound Staff. that was dream a new dream for tomorrow from kirby's dream collection composed originally by june ishikawa and arranged by the HAL laboratory sound staff that theme is just incredible this this track is one of my favorite kirby tracks of all time because it's just so beautiful it really is and
0: man i hadn't thought about this track in a long time did you like recently come back across it again is that why you're reminded of it right before we... uh,
1: no it's just it's just always been a track that's been like in the back of my mind since uh listening to the dream collection music and like having it uh like on my playlist that's cool it's just so fun this is really nice and the that that
0: motif do 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 do, do. That, that is that from return to dreamland or is that from a different game
1: I think it's like the ending theme from I want to say Kirby's Adventure. You know what? No, that is the ending theme from
0: Kirby's Dreamland.
1: Man, how did I forget oh, that? Oh yeah. Man,
0: I've beaten Kirby's Dreamland so many times. You can beat it in like twenty minutes. <laughs> it's crazy, and well, wow. we we do own it. It's on that that Kirby disc. Yeah, so. that's,
1: that's true. So.
0: Man. Well, that's so cool, because it is... I mean, hey, that means it is a credits theme. This is originally the ending credits for Kirby's Dreamland, So, and it's come full circle. That's the phrase I was looking for earlier, because now this is a modern rendition of it. And, man, what a nice pick. I think if we were going to end on kind of a slow or somber note, then that would be the perfect track to end on. But you know what? I kind of wanted to end things... On kind of a livelier more upbeat and happy note and there's always been kind of a rotation of tracks that I thought would be perfect to close the show out with Uh, all of those tracks have actually made it onto this playlist Uh, one of them is the ending theme for Super Mario World another is the staff role from The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past one of them is the staff role for Super Mario 64, which is what I think I'm going to use for our blooper reel. But the other one is the one I'm actually using is our last official in-episode pick for this show. And wow, that kind of just hit me as I said that. Um, even wow. if that does come through with the uh, the listener list, this track that we're about to play is the last track... For the regular run of the podcast that either you or I are picking. Yeah. i got to sit with that for a second. That means that Kirby track was the last regular in-episode track that you picked. That's true. Are you happy with your choice?
1: Yeah, i got to say I am.
0: Well, you know, I think I'm happy with mine too. This one starts out a, a little slow and a little sweet, but then it really picks up and... I remember getting to this part in the game, and it was, it was just really cool. But over the years, this track has really, really grown on me. And if none of you have heard it before, I um, hope you enjoy it. If you have heard it before, maybe this listen will give you a new appreciation for it. Closing out our final episode of the podcast, and we will be back to talk when this is done. But closing out the final episode is Daisy and Staff Roll from Super Mario Land. Composed by Hirokazu Hip Tanaka. Staff Roll from Super Mario Land, and that was our second appearance of the night by Hirokazu Hip Tanaka. And Wow. I'm a little emotional, kid. <laughs> there is something so wholesome about that track. For real. Something just so innocent and fun. It's not a very long piece. Um, it's not overly complex. It definitely is a lot more like inspiring than I feel like Mario's first little adventure on the Game Boy (laughs) needed to be. Um, Super Mario Land was not a, in and of itself, was not a revolutionary experience. It It was a really amazing game in that it was the first game of its type to be able to be played portably. And the music in it is really fun. I really like Tanaka's take on Mario. But there's something about this track that just encompasses the entire feeling that i was going for when i started this show with you and when i was listening to it i just kept thinking back over the times when we recorded back when your voice wasn't quite so deep <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you were still learning about uh, a lot of this stuff and then i look at where you are now and all the stuff you've accomplished and I think about the friends that I have gained over the last few years of actually being a BGM podcaster and, um, sort of, um, I guess, increasing my presence in the scene from when I was a listener and a fan (sighs) and pretty emotional. Um, what did you think about that track?
1: I think it was really cool. It was a nice, short, sweet little thing. And I liked it a lot.
0: Perfect. I wouldn't have had you put it any other way. Um, callback to uh, the entire rest of the series where I can go on and ramble for two or three minutes and then you just sum it up really nicely in a few words. We made a good duo. (laughs) We made a good team. Hey, yep. And we do have one more track, uh, one more condo track, a little more Mario, because we definitely did have a couple of bloopers on the episode. Um, You know, it wouldn't be a complete Very Good Music episode if there weren't at least one time when I said Shukapau are you paying attention (laughs) (laughs) yep this has been a fantastic experience Um, looking forward to reliving it again at least a few times with uh, the special um, the the extra levels or DLC or bonus content or whatever we decide to call it Um, and this has been a really good episode Um, can you think of a track that you discovered through this podcast that has become one of your favorites
1: Hmm. let's see probably like most of banjo kazooie (sighs) because i didn't really know about it before the podcast that's still
0: so wild to me yeah i think for me if i had to narrow down a single track that i'm really glad i found in this podcast That's really hard, but the one that always comes to mind first is the power plant stage, Sparkling Scorpio from Mega Man X Corrupted.
1: Hmm, yeah.
0: That, that is such a banging track. And, um, well, I guess we can give Dusk a little more time. Um still not quite sure why they're not here yet, but, uh... Talk to a little bit about, um, you know, we're not going anywhere. We're still around. We're still available. And uh, you and I will still be heard on podcasts together in the future. But we are kind of splitting off and going our separate ways on the Internet. Uh, What are some things that that you're doing right now that you want people to know about? And, of course, there will be links in the show notes.
1: I am currently on YouTube. I am doing a lot of Pikmin content and Some other gaming stuff like uh, Pokemon, Minecraft, a lot of just my own stuff, and it's a lot of fun, and you can go and check me out over there if you like incredibly funny and high quality YouTube content. That's a lie.
0: I really think that, um, uh, I mean, I I, I would call it high quality. I'm obviously biased, and, you know, the the (laughs) hardware and the equipment is going to improve over time, but... You've really got something special. I I like your commentary a lot. I especially have enjoyed your Minecraft playthrough. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, the fun. editing, I think, is really impressive. You could tell that you've picked up a lot of things and watching all that YouTube over the years. It's nice to know that it wasn't for nothing. Um, <laughs> and I really like your retrospective episodes, like the, the nostalgia ones. I don't know if you have a name for them yet, but like you talked about... Um, Some of your earliest gaming memories in one episode, I think. Uh, You talked about, uh, you just recently did an Undertale kind of retrospective after you finished your playthrough. And I really like those episodes a lot, the more editorial ones.
1: Yeah. um, Those, the Undertale retrospective, I'm kind of thinking of doing every time I finish a run, uh, like a series. I want to make like a little quick video essay on uh, the game just to like talk about it. Kind of wrap uh, wrap up the wrap up the series a little bit.
3: Cool.
0: Um. Well, so you can find uh, Shukapal on YouTube. I will link to the correct channel in the show notes. Um. I am currently doing two other podcasts. I have a cat in front of me. Hold on. (laughs) Blooper reel. (laughs) Even even heard her there for a second. Um. I'm doing the Movie Bar every month mostly every month with The Dyad, where we talk about legal films. Uh, he is a lawyer, so he brings sort of some expert opinion to that, and I just kind of talk about movies, which is fun. And uh, I still have to edit that show, but it's only once a month, and there's no music, so it's not as, as time-consuming. And I still get my... I get to scratch that BGM itch every week with Brian on BG Media, uh, mostly every week. i um, I'm kind of on there every other week for a lot of the year, but there are times when I get to do it every every week, and we have a lot of fun on there, a lot of great music. So if you are still wanting to listen to more VGM, but this has been kind of your sole or primary podcast for that, check out BG Mania with me and Brian. That's Brian with a Y. Um, I think he would want me to say that. And uh, again, I'll link to those podcasts in the show notes as well. I'm also still going to be involved in what I, I, looks like may be the, a yearly Masters of BGM event every summer. We're already talking about doing that again, although we're still discussing what form it's going to take. And I'm really glad I'm still going to be part of this great community. Um, and I, I really wish that, uh, you know, we'd gotten to hear from more of them on the episode, but Dusk is uh, still not here. So, um, well, Zhukabao, do you have anything... Do you have any closing remarks? Any like last stuff to to say on the show?
1: Um, I compose music, and I'm I also have a Twitter account at ShootkaPow. And uh, I am also now ShootkaPow on Flat.io. Cool. Uh no longer Lloyd Irving for
0: Smash. We'll see if it ever happens.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'll keep the hope up.
0: Uh, anything you would like to say to our listeners?
1: Oh yeah, thanks for listening. Also, did you know that the the Matthew Willard got casted as Springtrap in the Fnaf movie? Uh,
0: I I don't know what any of those words mean, but that's really
1: cool. Yeah, the, the actor <laughs> for Shaggy got casted as the main villain in Fnaf. Wow, I don't
0: think I even knew they were
1: making a Fnaf movie, but that's really cool.
0: Um, fun stuff. Uh, well, you go about that that succinct and bizarre little note was was perfect as your uh, i guess <laughs> last like vocal contribution <laughs> to the show. Oh. Oh, you're you're finally here. What what took you so long?
2: Uh sorry I'm late, but uh you asked me to get that list for you and it turns out there were so many requests that you guys unlocked a secret special ending.
0: Whoa. What? Let me see that list. Here. Oh. Oh man, there's some awesome stuff on there. It's like you got Oh, Shukapao Tales of Symphonia on this list. No way. Yeah, Portal is on here. Sonic Adventure 2. Looks like RJ brought that one. Um, ooh, more Kirby. We got the Staff Roll from Kirby's Dreamland 3. Man, Mega Man. There's a lot of really cool stuff on here. Well, yeah, obviously what well, special ending. Shukapao, we unlocked a special ending. That's crazy. That means there's gonna be another episode.
1: Yeah, 100% I mean, completion. Brain, go, Burr.
0: Yeah, uh, I already said there was gonna be more stuff, but man, I didn't quite realize it was gonna be so soon. Well, all right. Well, everyone who was expecting to hear uh, a pick that that you picked on this episode, um, sorry that you have to, to wait a little longer, but it looks like we're gonna have a jam-packed, awesome episode full of listener picks. And, uh, man, I'm gonna have to start working on this soon. We're going to try to get that up for you here in the next week. So, uh, maybe we can close out the year with a bunch of bangers that all of you got together to, uh, to share with us. Wow. What a cool way to end this episode. Well, Dusk, uh, while you're here, do you have any, do you have any memories of like being on a show or anything you want to want to talk about?
3: Go play Fantasy Life. It's on the 3DS.
0: <laughs> do that. Once again, coming full circle to the very first game that dusk ever talked about with us well all right then i do want to give one more shout out to some very special folks who have been with us on this uh this sort of i don't want to say journey because the messenger has the vgm journey but on this podcasting trip that you this road trip that you and i have gone on shu kapow um Speaking of the Messenger, uh, I want to mention the patrons that we had while well, we had a Patreon. Alex Messenger, host of A VGM Journey. The Last Rican, host of the VGM Fight Club and Senpai's Playlist, and also the Uematsu Suplex podcast uh, about wrestling. Um, Ryan Steele, composer of Catlandia Crisis at Fort Pawprint. Kung Fu Carlito, host of Heroes 3 Adventures in Asian Cinema. Forrest Shamlian, uh, the creator of Castle Corp and The Bomb Show on YouTube, which are still up. Uh, Forrest has moved on to some other very fulfilling things, but uh, the episodes that are up there are a lot of fun. You can go check them out. And also um, Sprintcade and Nathan Cooper. Thank you guys so much. And um, I also want to give a special shout out to Skeletroy, also a patron, but our theme song guy. And uh, Skeletroy has been on a couple of shows with us. And it's been really cool getting to know him through this process. Would not have met him without the podcast. I also want to thank uh, Carlos, once again, uh, who provided some of our artwork for the show. My co-host on the movie bar, The Dyad, is uh, also one of our artwork contributors. And the artist for our beautiful, beautiful cover art is Naomi Rubin. Uh, You can find her on Patreon at patreon.com slash Naomi Rubin. And you can read her comics at moonsproutstation.com. All of that information will be in the show notes. But there's kind of our staff role. Uh, Thanks very much, you guys. And I also want to give special thanks to Lemon Boy. Um, Well, I've already thanked Dusk and Jeff, who are our uh, most frequent co-hosts. But I also want to give special thanks to the other sibs, Lemon Boy, Flair, and Luna. Who joined me earlier this year on the podcast. And a very, very special thanks to my wife, your mom, who I think the internet has called Mrs. Bedroth, although she probably wouldn't like that very much, because she has been extremely patient during all the hours and hours that you and I have recorded this show. And uh, yeah, thank you all so much. It's been a blast. It's been a pleasure. Well, Jukupau, um, Dusk, anything else that either of you have to say? Yippee!
1: Uh, this has been a fun podcast but it's over now so well mostly over yep. so until next time this is Shoot the Pal. mostly over. over and out <laughs> alright
0: everyone well thanks so much for the ride and always remember play very good games be very good people
3: and keep
2: listening to
3: very, very good, good music. music
2: nice echo there yay <laughs>